Last week we began a new series called All the Difference. And what we've been saying is that we've all experienced, come on, you guys know this, we've all experienced a, a moment in history, we've all experienced an event, or maybe a person that, that has forever made the difference in our lives, right? Think about, think about that coach that coached you and you were on that team or that, that mentor. Or think about that teacher that when you went to school, you didn't like any of the other teachers, but that one teacher really influenced you. And, and man, you, you even thought, man, I, I even want to pick up this subject and study it further in college. That person maybe even influenced you know, the career path that, that you took. What about that special event in your life, that, that wedding? What about that graduation day? And, and, you know, people said you would never make it or you thought you wouldn't even be able to make it. And there you go crossing the aisle, right, with the hat, in, with the hat and the gown. And, and that graduation made all the difference or that anniversary that you celebrated made all the difference. We're, we're all living in a current moment in history right now as we deal with, you know, we're in the middle of this pandemic in the past, you know, 12 plus months dealing with all of this. We're all living in a, in a moment in history that's going to forever make the difference in our lives. We're forever going to be communicating this time. And what we've been doing throughout the series is looking at three different individuals that, ha- that, that lived through a certain time in history, that lived through a moment and encountered a person that made all the difference in their lives. These are characters that are oftentimes overlooked in the, in the Easter story. We don't mention them very much. You may know some of the other characters around the cross. Maybe you know Peter, you know John, you know Mary, Jesus' mother, you know Pilate. But these other characters are people that are often overlooked in the Easter story. So we've been looking at, at their lives. And here's what I know. I know that everyone in this room is on a spiritual journey. Some of us, you're, you're a fully devoted follower of Christ. You are sold out for Jesus. You surrendered your life to him and you're living fully devoted for him. Others of you are on the fence of your faith. You don't really quite know what to believe. Or maybe you're more skeptical. You don't, you don't really know what to believe or you've heard so many stories and, and you, have, you have questions and doubts and, and maybe even fears. And no matter where you are, in your faith journey, I want you to know this. I think this is important for those of you in this room and those that are watching this on Facebook Live. And that is that I hope that you understand that you are welcome here. I want you to understand that I hope that Swerve can be a place for you to wrestle with your questions and and your doubts. That there's a place for you here at Swerve where you can go ahead and do that. If you're a fully devoted follower of Christ and you surrender your life to Jesus, amen, I'm with you. But if you're on the fence and you have questions, I just want you to know you are welcome here. You are, you, this is a place for you here. This is a home for you here. And so in this series, what we're doing is we're tracking the spiritual journey of these three individuals. Who are they? It's the commander, the counselor, and the culprit. These three characters surrounding the Easter story, surrounding the story of Jesus' death and resurrection. And today we're going to be looking at the counselor. Now, when I say counselor, I'm not talking about someone who gives advice, right? Not someone who gives counsel. I'm talking about someone who serves on a council. His name is Joseph. Joseph of Arimathea. You probably heard him. You probably know his name. You know him as the guy who brought Jesus' body to the tomb. And there's a lot of significance in that. But before we get to that moment, there's something that we got to talk about. We got to unravel a little bit more about his story. So if you have your message notes, go ahead and take those out and you can, there's a couple of fill in the blanks, the notes and the verses are all on the screen as well for you to follow along. Here's the first thing we learn about Joseph's story, his narrative. Number one is that the counselor was a part of the Sanhedrin. The counselor was a part of the Sanhedrin. 
And we're going to read, I'm going to explain a little bit more. Maybe if you're like, what, what is that? What is the Sanhedrin? I'm going to explain it in just a second. But let's look at Mark chapter 15, verses 42 and 43. It says this, When it was already evening, because it was the day of preparation, that is, the day before the Sabbath, Joseph of Arimathea, there's our character, what was he? He was a prominent member of the Sanhedrin, who was himself looking forward to the kingdom of God, came and boldly went to Pilate. If you'd like to take an extra note and underline and highlight, I would underline right there in your notes where it says, a prominent member of the Sanhedrin. This is who, G this is who uh, Joseph was. Joseph was a very well-respected character. In fact, in Jerusalem, he was seen as a prominent leader in Jerusalem. And he was a part of this elite council, the Sanhedrin. What is the Sanhedrin? Well, basically, the Sanhedrin was a group of respected leaders and elders among the Jews. They were the ultimate authority of law. Think about it like the, uh, the Supreme Court of Jerusalem is what essentially they were. And these people, they were, they were the religious elite. They would meet in the temple every single day except for Sabbath and except for holy holidays. And these were prominent leaders that had a greater jurisdiction than the lesser Jewish courts. The, the lesser Jewish courts would deal with certain legal issues, and if they couldn't come to a conclusion, they would bring it up to the Supreme Court, to the Sanhedrin. And the Sanhedrin would make a decision, and whatever they said was law. Now, why does this matter? Why does this matter? Why does this bit of information matter? Well, because, because before we have Jesus crucified, before we have Jesus uh, dying on the cross, before he was even brought to Pilate, guess who was involved? Involved in the plot to murder Jesus was the Sanhedrin. Look at Mark chapter 14. We're going to read a, a couple of verses here in Mark chapter 15, verse 1. Look at what it says. The chief priests and the whole what? The whole Sanhedrin were looking for testimony against Jesus to put him to death, but they could not find any. So the Sanhedrin here is trying to work up a plot against Jesus. Verse 1 of 15, as soon as it was morning, having held a meeting with the elders, the scribes, and the whole what? The whole Sanhedrin, the chief priest tied Jesus up, led him away, and handed him over to Pilate. Did you guys ever catch that in the Easter story that before he went to Pilate, before he was handed over to the Roman soldiers, the people scheming this whole thing were the Sanhedrin, these elite religious leaders. The Sanhedrin were leaders. They were respected by people. They were pious. They were well-versed in Scripture. They knew the Old Testament books and they could quote the prophets. These guys were great uh, communicators and they knew how to pray long, elaborate prayers and they even dressed the part. You know, they looked like the religious elite and the leaders of their day. But you know what was deep inside the hearts of these, of the Sanhedrin, of these people? These people were wicked. They were vile. They were envious. They were full of rage. They were full of hatred and jealous of Jesus. I want you guys to catch this. They appeared holy, but their hearts were actually far from God. The question I want us to wrestle with today on this Easter Sunday is do you have the appearance of holiness, but are you actually disconnected from the one who makes you holy? 
You see, guys, something that you need to understand today is that God doesn't care about appearances. Listen, God doesn't care about your religion. And it's Easter Sunday and churches all over New York City and all over the U.S. You know, we love to look real cute for Easter and get all dressed up for Easter. But you need to understand that God doesn't care about that. He cares too much for you to care for superficial religion. God looks past the exterior and he looks into your heart. That's what Jesus actually cares about. Joseph was a member of this religious elite of the Sanhedrin. Now I want to talk to a particular group and maybe in this crowd or maybe watching this video later on that perhaps you've been hurt. Maybe you've been hurt by a member of the Sanhedrin. In other words, maybe you've experienced some church hurt. If somebody criticized you, if someone judged you, if someone spoke ill of you or wished you or damned you to hell. I want to apologize. Because the problem is that Christians love to keep up appearances. Don't we Christians? Don't we love keeping up appearances? Instead of being honest with our weaknesses and dependent in our dependence on Christ. This week, all the news headlines in the internet was broken because little Nas released some sneakers, some Saiyan sneakers. And what he tweeted out was that this was an, like an antithesis to what all the Christians had told him for rejecting him because of his life decisions. So essentially, he sold his soul to the devil, make this, this sneaker with a drop of human blood in it as a response to the way Christians treated him and rejected him. Church, let's not, let's not be like that. Let us not be a people that is like that, that rejects people. Let's be a, a church that is welcoming, that invites people. And I need you to understand that if you're here today, church is not a place for holy people. The church is a place for broken and perfect people who utterly depend and desperately depend on Jesus. Here's the second thing about the counselor. You need to understand this journey that we're tracking with the counselor. Number two, the counselor feared to reveal his secret. The counselor feared to reveal his secret. You see, Joseph was a member of the Sanhedrin and he was a respected religious leader, but he had a secret that he didn't want anybody to know. He didn't want anybody else to find out. In fact, if this secret got leaked, it would ruin his reputation forever. Look at what John chapter 19, verse 38 says. After this, Joseph of Arimathea who was a disciple of who? Of Jesus, but secretly because of his fear of the Jews. This guy, Joseph, the, the counselor, the member of the Sanhedrin, this well-respected leader, listen, was a closet Christian. He secretly saw Jesus as more than just a teacher. He saw Jesus as more than just a prophet. This man, Joseph, got a glimpse of Jesus as king and son of God. But he kept that a secret. He didn't want anybody else to find out. Because if somebody found out, if they spread the rumor, then it would ruin his reputation. Then he would lose all respect. God forbid, he might even get kicked out of the council, the same council that plotted against Jesus. He thought to himself, what would people think about me? 
What would they say? I'm so reputable and respectable. I would lose all my respect. What would they think about me? What, what rumors would they spread about me? How would this impact my family and my children? See, I need you guys to understand something. Joseph would have sat in on the meetings about murdering Jesus and wouldn't say anything. He sat in those, in the, in those meetings to plot out Jesus' murder. And he stood quiet and didn't say anything. Think about this, guys. Joseph was possibly present at that secret meeting with Judas when they gave him 30 shekels of silver to betray Jesus. And he just looked the other way. He cared more about what others thought of him than what God thought of him. What I need you guys to wrestle with today is, do we care more with what others think about us than what God thinks about us? Are you more concerned with appearances and are you more concerned with reputation over defending and living what you know and what you believe to be true? Do you care more about what others think about you? Is your walk with Christ, shh, it's a secret. Don't tell anybody. I don't tell anybody I'm going to church on Sunday. I don't want anybody to find out. Nothing on my timeline hints at the fact that I'm a Christian. It's a secret. Because it's a personal relationship with Jesus. So nobody else needs to know. Do we keep the gospel a secret? Do we not share the hope that we have in the gospel? Do we not share the good news that Jesus told us to share? Is that a secret as well? Are we sharing our lives with others to share the goodness of God and the hope that we have with others? Are we ashamed of God? Are you ashamed of Jesus? Are you ashamed of His church? Guys, the call to follow Jesus is a public one. Our faith demands to be lived out. If what Jesus said is true and if we hold the scriptures to be true, then that has to impact the way we live our lives. And that is demonstrated. That is extremely public. It's demonstrated to our neighbors. And one of the last commands that Jesus gave his disciples was to go therefore and make disciples of all nations. And this gospel truth that Jesus loves you so much that he gave his life for you to, to forgive you of your sin and to draw you close to God, that's too good of a secret to keep to yourself. The other, the, a couple weeks ago, I had the most amazing donut ever. You guys know because I've been telling you about this, right? I've been raving about Catania's. I'm like, yo, you got to try this donut. It's huge. It's bigger than my head. It's full of all this cannoli cream, and it, it's like a million calories, but it's so good. I literally told everybody. I would open it up on Instagram and show pictures of it, like if it was my newborn baby. I was telling everybody about it. I made some of you guys go and grab it because of how much I preached it to you guys. Imagine if we had that same boldness, that same courage, that same vigor and that same enthusiasm about Jesus. Where everywhere we went, we lived our lives as a public display of what Jesus has done to us. And we're declaring it and we're sharing it with our friends and our neighbors. And inviting people to do life with us. Can you imagine? But the counselor, Joseph, didn't always stay where he was at. He's on a spiritual journey as we all are on a spiritual journey. And at first, he was a member of the Sanhedrin. He was putting up a show. He was looking the part. 
He kept a secret, but then eventually, number three, the counselor went public with his faith. Amen. The counselor went public with his faith. You see, a, a change happened in the life of Joseph that finally flipped the switch. And you know, you know this, we all experience an event, a moment in history, or a person who makes all the difference. And finally, for, for Joseph, that person was Jesus. He made all the difference. That event was the crucifixion that made all the difference. The moment was when Jesus breathed his last breath and he died for the forgiveness of sin. That moment, that event, that person made all the difference in Joseph's life. And Joseph had an introspective moment when he saw Jesus die. He said, hold on, what am I doing? How could I have been so complacent? How could I have just sat idly by while my peers plotted the murder of Jesus? Joseph had seen Jesus heal the sick. This man healed the sick. He raised the dead to life. He spoke life-giving words. He was the very Son of God. I knew it. I, I, I was following Him. I, was, I believed in Him. And I saw Him barbarically murdered before my eyes. And I didn't do a darn thing about it. Joseph finally said, enough is enough. And he did a bold act. No one would believe it. No one would believe that Joseph would do what he was about to do. And yet it's so profound and it's so important that it is written in all four Gospels. This is what he did right here. And maybe you had read this story a million times before and never paid much attention to this, but tracking with this journey now, look at what happened in Mark chapter 15. Joseph of Arimathea, a prominent member of the Sanhedrin, who was himself looking forward to the kingdom of God, what did he do? He came and what? He boldly, church, say boldly. boldly. He boldly went to Pilate. Why, why was that a bold move? Why was that a bold move? Why is the Bible saying that he boldly went to Pilate? He came and boldly went to Pilate and asked for Jesus' body. And after he had bought some linen cloth, Joseph took him down and wrapped him in the linen. Then he laid him in a tomb, cut out of the rock, and rolled the stone against the entrance to the tomb. Here's what I need you guys to understand. That at the risk of destroying his reputation, Joseph does something that would forever mark the rest of his legacy. He boldly approached Pilate for the body of Jesus and he places Jesus' lifeless body in a tomb. And what this was was a bold proclamation to the Sanhedrin, to all of Jerusalem, and to the rest of the world that he would no longer be a closet Christian, a closet follower of Christ, that he would no longer sit idly by as people did whatever and spoke ill against Jesus and plotted his murder, that he no longer cared what other people would say about him or thought of him. And essentially Joseph is saying, man, I should have spoken up sooner, but you know what? Now I'm taking a stance. I will no longer remain silent I'm no longer going to be passive. I'm no longer going to be a coward. And now, Joseph is known as the guy who put Jesus' body in a proper resting place. Did you know anything else about him other than that? Now that's what he's known for. 
the guy who boldly went to Pilate and put Jesus' body, listen, in the tomb. Guys, that's the same tomb that three days later would have the stone rolled away. It's the same tomb that would be empty three days later. It's the same tomb that remains empty over 2,000 years later. It's the same empty tomb that we celebrate today because Jesus was slain for our transgression, but he was risen to life. And in his life, we can experience forgiveness of sin. And in his life, we have new life and our eternities are secured. It's that same tomb. It's that same tomb. So I'm going to invite the worship team up and they're going to lead us in one final song. And as they come up, I want to share with you my prayer for all of us here. My prayer is that if you are a follower of Jesus, that you would no longer live as a closeted Christian, but that you would live in freedom and with boldness and courage to declare God's goodness through Jesus. That you would realize that we have the greatest news in all of history that needs to be shared with others. And we need to invite others into relationship so that God's goodness can rub off of us onto them. And it shouldn't be the other way around where the world's worldliness rubs off on us. We should be allowing the change that God has done in our lives to rub off of those that we interact with. We need to realize that we are the salt of the earth, that we are the light of the world, and that we are God's means for the spread of the gospel and the salvation of mankind. But now if you're here today and you're on the fence, if you're on the fence, my prayer for you today is that you might respond to God's provision found in Jesus, that you would realize that he's lovingly calling you into relationship, not into religion, not into church membership. He's calling you into relationship. And God is not calling you to look the part, but to surrender your heart. Could today be the day, if you're here in this room or, or watching this live stream, could today be the day that you make a public declaration of your faith in Jesus? Guys, today is Easter Sunday or Resurrection Sunday, and we rejoice in the fact that Jesus conquered the grave. Jesus crushed the head of Satan and sin. That sin that separated us from relationship with God has been demolished by Jesus' sinless life and his perfect work on the cross. And for those who put their faith in Jesus, our eternity is secure. There's no more pain, no more sickness, no more disease, no more pandemic, only perfect peace and eternity with Jesus. And so as we partake in communion, I invite you to partake in communion, I don't want you to simply mourn the death of Jesus. I want you to celebrate that the tomb is empty, that our sins are forgiven, and that we are children of God. So I'm going to lead us in a prayer, and uh, we'll, we'll pray together now, and then uh, Hunter and Tiffany are going to lead us in one final song. And as they do, I invite you uh, at your leisure to walk to the back, the table to my right, your left, uh, has some communion, prepackaged communion cups, and you're invited to partake in communion today. Bring it back to your seat, and at your leisure, take a time to reflect, to repent, and to rejoice in the work of Jesus on our behalf.
Let's pray. God, I pray that, God, that you would forgive us of our false religion, God. When we put up a front, when we care about more about our appearances than you care about our heart. God, and what you desire for us is not simply religion, but relationship, and for us to draw close to you. So God, I pray that you would help us care more about what you think than the rest of this world thinks about us. God, that we may live our lives with boldness and courage to declare the gospel truths. God, we publicly declare our faith in you. I pray that you might give us courage to share the good news of Jesus and to trust you with what comes out of that sharing. Thank you, Jesus, for the work on the cross on my behalf. should have been my nails. should have been my cross. And thank you, Jesus, for dying in my place, being placed in the tomb. But God, we worship you because Jesus is alive, because he rose from the grave. And because he lives, we are made alive. And for that, we worship you and we glorify the most magnificent name, the name above all names, Jesus Christ. Amen.